cats old enough to catch their own prey gather here beneath the podcast for a clan meeting. Welcome to Paws and Claws, a podcast where we read the Warrior Cats books in chronological order. I'm Scout, joined by my co-host and top-tier DM, Jill, and today we will be discussing the sixth published... (laughs) I almost made it. I almost made it. Almost. AJ, leave that one in, maybe. Today we will be discussing the sixth published super edition, Tall Stars Revenge. Uh, Hello, Jill. It is another daytime recording. It sure is. We've got... I woke up at 5 a.m. this morning, and I don't know why. So did I. Damn. So we're both going to be on one today. Zelda has been very loud today, and she is in... I was about to say the recording studio. She's in the studio with us. Uh, She is in the office with me, so she may... uh, poke her head up and, you know. I hope she doesn't turn your trackpad off again like she did immediately before we started starting to record. She jumped up on my keyboard and was like, hey, pay attention to me. She tried to steal my chicken nuggets. (gasps) A crime, a criminal. Yeah. (laughs) She has thoughts about Tallstar and she wants us to know. She does. Oh, I have thoughts about Tallstar. I have two full pages of notes about Tallstar. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, Before we get into the summary and everything, though, I will ask you, how is the prey running? Sounds Ah. like you had some chicken nuggies. That sounds tasty. I did. I drove through. I had to go drop off some packages because I had some uh, unexpected free time this morning. Packages. So I went to go drop off some packages, hit up a new bookstore, and (gasps) drove through the McDonald's and got some chicken nuggets and fries. Hell yeah. A little treat. I had a very boring bowl of cereal this morning. Yeah, you know. Uh, I also had cereal for breakfast. I finished off our Cheerios. Nice. Uh, We've got right now some of those. I didn't have this this morning, but we've got like the Cheerios that are kind of almost honey bunches of oats. They're like Cheerios with little like granola bits and oats and stuff. Very tasty. This morning I just had uh, my vanilla Wheaties, which were vanilla Wheaties, you know. Vanilla Wheaties. They get me through until until lunch. Um, yesterday, or a couple days ago, we made homemade burritos for dinner, and that was great. Ooh, I love homemade burritos. So tasty with the homemade uh, tortillas too. Mm. Delicious. I made uh, chicken Caesar wraps for my lunches last week. It was oh, that sounds so good. I love a nice. I love a nice wrap. Me too. I feel like I don't do them enough. I should do them. I know. Often. I'm they're the so same easy way. too. It's just it it's a it makes you feel a little bit more fancy than having a sandwich, you know? Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, I can appreciate a good sandwich as well. I just am I can't generally I can't too. too lazy to have all of the ingredients that I want to put on a sandwich to make it more than just meat, cheese, and condiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel that. Especially with how lettuce seems to just like go so bad. It goes bad all the really time. quickly. What doesn't ever go bad, though, are the Polish covers, uh, which I do want to bring up again. That I is didn't so post true. <laughs> it. I didn't post it into the doc today. Uh, but the Polish cover for Tall Stars Revenge, exceptional again. Once uh, again, they knock it out of the frickin' park. They do not miss. Uh, Jake is on there and he's staring at a snowflake, and it's very, very good. Uh, the China one's pretty good too. It's very pretty. Yeah, uh, I love it's the, got a little the clouds. fluffy, little fluffy Tall Star. Standing on top of a cliff. Yeah, I love this very, this is like a very, it's like a very stout tall star. Usually we see a very lanky, this is, this is a very substantial tall star to me. Yeah. His paws are very cute. Look at that little paw right there. His, his peats at the back are all spread out. It's so cute. I love the whiskers in the sunlight too, like the backlighting. Yeah. It's really, really lovely. Wonderful stuff. (sighs) Oh. Man, I feel like we have a lot to talk about, so we're not going to dwell too much on how the prey is running. Yeah, let's. Uh, I'll get into the summary here. I'll I'll take us on a on on a journey on a tall star journey, and then we'll get into discussion. Excited to discuss this one. In this era of Wind Clan, the warriors are divided into two categories: the more runners who hunt and fight under open sky, and the tunnelers who dig and maintain a network of tunnels beneath the moor to bolster hunting in the cold season when prey goes to ground. 
Our protagonist, Tall Kit, is a child of two tunnelers who, despite his heritage, dreads the thought of training and working underground. He spends his kittenhood preparing himself to follow in his parents' footsteps and make them proud, not realizing the tensions building as Heatherstar, WindClan's current leader, begins to doubt the benefits of the tunnels are worth the risks. It's dangerous work and several cats have been lost or injured in Cavens recently, prompting Heatherstar to avoid assigning tunnelers any new apprentices. While the tunnelers, including his parents, are frustrated by this decision, Tallkit, now Tallpaw, is relieved to follow the path of a Moorunner instead. As summer approaches, wandering loners come to stay with WindClan, trading their stories and sharing their nests. Among them is a quiet and thoughtful cat named Sparrow, who is not afraid to challenge the traditions of the clans. In conversation with Tallpaw's father, Sandgorse, Sparrow becomes curious about the tunnels, and Sandgorse offers to take him exploring in an area of the network that Heatherstar has declared off-limits. Their misadventure ends in tragedy. The tunnels flood and collapse, and while Sparrow just barely escapes with his life, Sandgorse does not. To the tunneler's dismay, this prompts Heatherstar to discontinue the practice of tunneling entirely. A grieving Tallpaw is convinced his father's death is the fault of Sparrow. Even after the visitors leave, he is consumed with his thoughts of revenge, which mingle with the feelings of isolation and distance from his clanmates that he has struggled with all his life. Shortly after his warrior ceremony, where he is named Talltail, he decides his destiny is to journey beyond the clans and hunt down Sparrow to avenge Sandgorse. Reluctantly, Heatherstar wishes him well and hopes he finds what he's looking for. On his journey, Talltail befriends the charismatic kitty pet Jake, who saves his life after he accidentally ingests poison and is enthralled by the tales of clan life he shares during his recovery. Talltail accepts Jake's offer to accompany him on his quest, and together the two eventually track down the loners. Jake tries to persuade Talltail out of his plan to kill Sparrow, but the clan cat is determined. It is only after he gets Sparrow alone that his conviction wavers. In speaking to the loner, he discovers Sangorse gave his life to allow Sparrow the chance to escape. With this revelation and Jake's pleas rushing through his mind, Talltail lets go of his vengeance and forgives. Bereft of his former purpose, Talltail speaks to Jake of feeling adrift. Jake speaks of how the heart knows where the home is, and encourages Talltail to follow the pull he feels back to the moor. After expressing the depth of their connection to one another, the two part ways, each returning to the home that calls them. Talltail is welcomed back to WindClan, and finally, he is at peace with his place there. In the following years, utilizing the skills he accrued on his journey with Jake, he becomes Clan Deputy. Eventually, after Heatherstar loses her final life, he travels to the Moonstone to receive his own nine lives from StarClan and become WindClan's leader. Once the ceremony is complete, his father is at last able to express his pride in his son and impart a prophecy to the newly named Tallstar. There will be a cat, kin of your dearest friend, who will be the key to the survival of the clans. Tallstar vows to watch over and guide this cat and thinks with fondness of Jake. man these cats are gay these cats are so gay very 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 gay and i love that for them it's great i want to up front say i felt like there was some padding in here especially yeah. in tall stars like childhood oh my god yeah and how much of the book was spent on his apprenticeship it was weird it was a weird amount of focus on him being a child. I really would have loved like more adult stuff. Yeah, I I really wanted 
way less of the child stuff and way more of him on his adventure with Jake. Yeah. That's not just because they're very gay. I I have a conspiracy theory based on some (gasps) of the research I did that uh, you'll notice I tossed into the Aaron corner. Yes. Uh, I have a theory that perhaps the publisher was like, "Mm." publisher being homophobic. Yes. Uh, Because, and you know what? I'll just bring this up now. Kate Carey has said in blog posts that Tallstar never took a mate or had kits and that his heart always belonged to his Jake. Uh, And she has said that she sees Tallstar and Jake as mates. However, the publisher believes that they are, quote unquote, all caps, G, all caps, F, good friends. (laughs) So... They are silencing... They are silencing us. They're silencing us. Yes. So, you know, conspiracy time. We need more of uh, him and his family rather than focusing on uh, him and Jake. <sighs> Which, you know. Snooze. Whatever. I mean, his family, there's there's interesting stuff with oh, his for home sure. life. And, and I do enjoy learning. But, wow, we got a lot of uh, scenes of him, like, racing the other apprentices yeah. And talking about how much he loves to run around. Yeah. Uh, I could appreciate that about him, but I do I do get it. Um Yeah, we we understand. I mean, I feel like the superditions definitely have a page count that they're trying to meet uh yes, in order to and I think that that's, superditions and Yeah. I I think that's so much to their detriment. And it's yeah. too bad that that's the way that it has to work because of publishing and mm-hmm. the way that these books work. But after like the the crisp tight storytelling of the last two novellas that we read, getting into this was like, oh, we're back in we're back in in the same scene from three different angles, kind of at three different slightly, you know, changed times. But uh that's really that's really my the only criticism I had of for this book for the most part, like when it comes to the enjoyment of reading it, is just that it's a little bit bloated. But that is just what being a super edition is. Uh, but I wanted to talk about that a little bit up front. Yeah. Let's let's talk about I see that you have it in your notes as well. The more runners versus the tunneler classification. I wish that they had done more with it. It's so disappointing. It's so cool, but they just like didn't do anything with it really like I, they to the did... point where there wasn't even a, a situation where like the benefits of the tunnels were really shown yeah they kept talking about how the tunnels are beneficial but they never really like show it and you know i understand like because i read it and i can like oh yeah i get it but it would be nice if there had been like something to show it yeah i just would have liked a more evenly weighted like pros and cons lists. Yes. It because in very... the in the end it really does feel like it feels like Heather Star is making an obvious choice, not a difficult one when it right. comes to getting rid of the the tunnels and closing yeah. them off and saying no more tunneling because it yeah. is very dangerous what they're now doing. Now I d- turns I out did- I did think that saying like you can't even chase a rabbit into their den was a little uh, That was that was much. too much, yeah. <laughs> That, that was a little was so much. weird. Yeah, it was very odd. But yeah, so cool conceit, not very well executed. Which is too bad, because a really cool idea. The idea of having sort of two classifications and just the concept of cats being in the, like, cats in tunnels yeah. is a cool idea. They had a full infrastructure there. Yeah. It was interesting to me that they mentioned Shattered Ice by name several times. Oh, yeah. When... This was written, it was 2013, but specifically it came out like in the middle of the Dawn of the Clans. Mm. Or no, sorry. This super edition was released in between the Sun Trail and Thunder Rising. Which, Interesting. What a fucking crazy release schedule they have. Uh, yeah, honestly, wild to me. That was all um, in one year. <laughs> It's not, yeah. it's, it's not like it was released, you know, Thunder Rising was released a year after Tall Stars, which was a year after the Sun Trail. No, it's all the same year. It's all the same year. So I thought it was really interesting that they had Shattered Ice in here because I 
I feel like the whole digging tunnels thing wasn't as highlighted even in that first one. So it was very interesting no. that in the in the chronology of releasing them that that he played kind of this mythical role as a as a tunneler as like the first tunneler of Wind Clan when hey Shattered Ice doesn't even end up in Wind Clan in the end. <laughs> he goes and lives in River God, Clan. That's so true. <laughs> wow. Love that. Um, I have a question because you reread the books more recently than I did. Yes. Like the the other books. Is mm-hmm. cats travel like normal cats, non-leaders and med- non-medicine cats? Are is them traveling to the moonstone like was that a normal thing? See, this is also something that's been tripping me up because I don't remember that being the case. I don't remember that being like a thing. I don't remember that just any apprentice goes to, to the moonstone. Yeah. Okay. Um, I thought I was going crazy. And I, I maybe it's something that was in that first arc and a half or whatever, and then it changed once they got to the lake and they're using the moon pool instead. But there is a lot of stuff in like the back half of the series that we'll get to way in the future, uh, without saying too much, that is very like the the moon pool, the moonstone equivalent there is extremely insular and like it's almost heretical to have non-medicine cats going there um so i don't know at what point that changed or if this is like a weird thing that that they are just sliding in here for the purposes of storytelling but i also keep getting tripped up by that it does say while warriors are prohibited from visiting the moonstone without special permission in the, the the wiki yeah, because I do. The thing is that I remember Firepaw and maybe Graypaw like going with Blue Star to the Moonstone for some reason in the first arc. But it, I don't. I remember that being like a special situation. I don't remember it being like right. part of the coming of age of like you're an apprentice correct, and once correct. you're an apprentice, you get to go to the Moonstone. Now, yeah, I this, don't remember that either. Yeah, I was gonna say it could be. Just a Wind Clan thing, but then I remembered that we have no, Thunder Clan apprentices yeah. Yeah, here. Yeah. Um, okay, I just wanted to clarify because I thought I was being gaslit. Yeah, about, I like, gotta, new we apprentices gotta, just getting to visit the the Moonstone. We gotta we gotta keep an eye on that uh, once we get into the prophecies begin because I also like you said I I read these. Not a not like extremely recently, but I read them. I reread them in like 2020. Like the prophecies begin, the new prophecy, most of the power of three, and that is that was confusing to me as well. Um, so it's interesting. We'll f- we'll figure it out. Yeah. How did you feel about True Paw slash Fuck Rupa? that bitch. <laughs> I'm glad Fuck we're on the same bitch. page. Fuck that hoe. And oh, he sucks ass. He sucks ass. Every scene where Shrewpaw in at every stage of life. So so this is like a, a, an apprentice who is a little bit older than. Uh, yeah, than he's like, like what? A, a couple of moons older. Basically. Yeah, like one, like a moon and a half or, a, or two moons older um, and is constantly deeply, deeply bullying tall paw and, and still continues to like do it deeply like not just not just a little bit but like constantly calling him worm talking about how he's a little worm and he's like gonna talking live. about how he's not good for anything except being underground and it's just it's rough it is and then every single time that tall uh like tall paw or at any point tries to push back against this an adult comes over and is like tall paw you gotta chill a little bit and i'm like no this is fucking insane to me yeah <laughs> you need to be this is the child being bullied is not the one who needs the reprimands here and even the scene in which tall paw like makes a fight a real fight between the two apprentices where they're not supposed to use claws when they're when they're just you know practicing their battle moves yeah um, that's fucked up that happens a lot 
in these books. It I've does. Noticed. It does happen a lot. And it's always like the person who didn't instigate it, but who tried to like fight back against it ends up getting the getting like the lecture about it, which really a commentary on how bullying uh, is treated in our schools. For real. Anyways, uh, Shrewpot just needs uh, needs to be beat up by somebody to, to like yeah. put him in line, I think. Um, I agree. Yeah, I, I wrote in here, Shrewpot is such a little dick. Just, like, <laughs> really no redeeming qualities. And even at one point is like, you know, I'm just playing around, dude. And it's like, no, you're not. You're committing hate crimes. <laughs> yeah, you're literally, like, being a bully. On a happier note, uh, The Visitors. I like The Visitors. I love The Visitors. I would have loved like a little bit more history of them. Yeah. Like, when did they start coming to Wind Clan? Like, what's their connection? Because like it's revealed in the end that uh, one of them, Mole, actually does believe in Star Clan. Yeah, uh, which I thought was so fascinating. In Star Clan, mm-hmm. but there's no like they're not warriors. They some of them have kitty pet names. Like they are, it is it is very interesting. I think they are a fascinating addition. There's one named Algernon. Yes. Which is <laughs> just amazing. An amazing, incredible name for a cat. I loved, there's a scene where Rena, who's one of the visitors, basically gives Tall, Tall Paw a nickname. And he yeah. just does not know how to respond to it. She keeps just calling him Tall instead of Tall Paw. It's and he's so like, that's not my name. <laughs> and it's like, she knows that's not your name. She's trying to be affectionate and give you a nickname. But clan cats have no concept of that. Clan cats have no concept of nicknames, which I'm just thinking about now. And that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's for bullying purposes. Yeah, for real. But yeah, I love them. I really wanted more. Yeah, I wanted more of them. Like, why? Again, why did we spend so much time on like baby on like tall kit, like baby, 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 tall paw? I would have liked more time with the visitors instead. And I think that that would have made the whole story hit a little harder. Yeah. And honestly, you know me, I'm always fascinated by any group of cats that is outside of the, the core four clans. Like, I am immediately fascinated by them. Yeah. Like. I know you're not as huge a fan of the tribe as I am, but like I'm, I was always fascinated by the tribe, by Sky Clan, uh, Ravenpaw and Barley. When we were reading Dawn of the Clans, and we found out about the park, yeah, the cats of the park. Mm-hmm. Like I am always fascinated, and I know you've talked about some other groups that show up later. Like I am fascinated by any group of cats that has a different sort of society yeah because it's uh, so it is interesting such good world building yeah and it's so interesting to see that mingle with the clans also and see this yeah. kind of cultural exchange in a way i was also so fascinated and i did i wanted more time with them and like more of an explanation of their kind of like why they do this? Why do they go on like a little journey and come visit Wind Clan in the summer and then go away again? You know that is so. I want to know more. Uh, should we talk about his parents, perhaps? Yeah, it's. A, I have a lot of complex feelings about. Uh huh. Tell me parents. about that. Yeah, tell me about it. Pale Bird is very clearly suffering from postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. And which I did sucks. find. Yeah, I, I found something, I found that Kate Carrie even, like, directly confirmed that in one of her blog posts, which I thought was yeah. cool that they are, like, saying that directly to the fans. Yeah, and, you know, it is a very complicated, upsetting thing, but, oh, man, I felt so bad for Dalzell. <laughs> I like, know! He it- just wants his mom to love him, and he is so so broken up about it he's just a boy it's really well portrayed like yeah. that it is something that is eating away at at tall tale throughout his whole childhood but they do it in a way that doesn't demonize or villainize pale bird for being depressed in that way which i think is good i think that there's a lot of really like it is another moment of of surprising nuance. Yeah, uh, for these books. Yeah, and it is it is rough because he's like you know he doesn't understand that it's not necessarily her fault. 
all the time. He thinks that it's just, you know, she misses her other kids so bad. And he's like, well, maybe I, I should. He, he very much is operating under a lot of like, I am the only kid. So I have to like live up to my parents' dreams, which as much as everyone's like, oh, Sangors really loved you. I'm like, he didn't really show it. No. He only I'm... showed it when he was, when his son was excited about doing the things he wanted to do. I gotta say, I am not the biggest Sandgorse fan in the yeah, world. Yeah, me either. I, like, he was very much, it was very much a conditional kind of love, it felt like, and it was, mm-hmm. it was very rough. Yeah, um, I think- I, I wrote down, it's not my dream, Dad, it's yours, which, it's- like, is basically the relationship boiled down. Yeah, I think where there was a lot of, of subtlety when it came to Palebird like, all of that just went out the window when it came to sand cars. Yeah. It was very, very much like, we're tunnelers, kid. <laughs> we're, yeah, this is a very specific kind of guy. Yeah, so I thought the relationship with his parents was very interesting. He didn't really get a lot of support from anyone, basically. Yeah. Except for Barkface and then Jake. Um, for real. Like, like even no- StarClan didn't fucking visit him. Yeah, that was fucked up. It's not that and was later, so fucked. And later they're like, you weren't ready to receive our thoughts or whatever. It's like, it's like that, shut the hell up. Just talk to- Do you to not him. see how this child is depressed? He's a child. Like, you need to give him a support system. Yeah. Whack. Like, Whack it's no wonder hell. that he goes through- his angry, depressed phase, and then leaves for a while. Like, of course he does. He has no support. Wild to me. Uh, I do feel bad. My earliest note does say Sparrow is acting very sus. <laughs> uh, and it turns out Sparrow was not actually sus, but, like, it really, like, makes you not blame Tallstar for what he is doing. Like, not blame, but, like, you understand why Tallstar is doing what he does, because we have... Tallstar's a bit of an unreliable narrator. Yeah, and I think uh, that that's really interesting and cool to see. Yeah, because he is immediately suspicious of Sparrow, the way he's acting. Yeah, and in the end, it kind of is just that Sparrow is a quiet guy. <laughs> yeah. I think he's still, he's the kind, Sparrow is the kind of dude that's like, not actually like a problematic guy but just there's something about the way that he acts that makes you think he's gonna say something problematic does that make sense yeah no that makes sense now was it not sparrow who had the conversation with yes. tall paw it was right i'm not misremembering that which i think is really interesting that there is there is this conversation where sparrow is like yo you gotta not uh like try so hard to please your father you have mm-hmm. to to do what feels right for you and then it's it's just so fascinating that there's it that's like a really positive moment for mm-hmm. Tallpaw and then that same cat kind of it gets flip-flopped around and yeah. that same cat ends up being who Tallpaw blames for the death of his father I thought that was cool yeah I did enjoy that I enjoyed that a lot I don't really have a lot more to say until we get to Jake do you no I'm ready to I'm ready to move into Jake town I love Jake Jake's Jake is so good. He's just such a fun, cheerful guy. He's like exactly what Tallstar needed. For real. And it's just so important that Tallstar see like a kind of unconditional affection in the in this way and like yeah. a, a a cat who really just believes in him and wants to see him succeed and like wants to just spend time with him because he was not getting that in Wind Clan. Yeah. He was not getting it from anyone. <laughs> For real. I don't know what is up with that. Yeah. I thought it was <laughs> just a funny moment when Tallstar has to use the litter box. I'm I I listeners, I keep referring to him as Tallstar. He's not Tallstar until the very, very end of the book. That's true. Um, he is Tall Tail at this point. But I am just used to calling him Tall Star. And the mm-hmm. book is called Tall, Tall Star's Revenge, so I can be forgiven for that. Yes. There's a moment when he has to use the litter box. It's so and he funny. just mentions that Jake is there watching him take a shit, and it's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. There was something about Jake being like, you're in the vet basket. 
I don't know why, but that I line... I love the descriptions of, of two like things. It cracks me up every time. It's so good every time. And there's that moment where... <laughs> Jake is talking about like, oh yeah, my human and I can, my two-legged and I can like talk to each other to an extent. I taught him food. He doesn't really get it, but you know, I don't understand a word what he's that he's saying. I just say yes to everything. His <laughs> like, accent is terrible. Oh my god, the whole that whole conversation killed me. Like it was as someone, so funny as someone who owns a cat. Like yeah, you do kind of pick up on like what specific meows mean. Like, I can tell when Zelda is giving me, like, a, hey, I want food versus, hey, I want the window open versus, hey, get the fuck out of bed uh, <laughs> kind of meow. Like, mm-hmm. I-, I can tell the difference between her her meows and, you know, sometimes I can meow back and it seems like, okay, she at least understands that I'm, like, communicating with her. <laughs> but it's so fucking funny. It's so funny that. to see it from the other direction. Yeah. Just the fact that Jack describes it, or uh, Jake describes it as he is try he's trying to teach his housefolk how to speak cat is <laughs> so good. It's so good. The whole, like, oh, I'll take you to the edge of two-leg place. Oh, well, and let's play. Ch- I should stay with you for the night. Oh, well, why don't I just take you over this hill? Like, the constant, like, Jake just being like, well, I could take you a little further. And Tallstar was like, I want to say no, but, like, for some reason, I also want to say yes. It's- and I'm just like, you fucking gay ass. <laughs> oh. Oh, also, there's some nice scenes where Tallstar teaches Jake some some clan things, like how to hunt. And I wrote down Jake is Zelda core uh, because he said, I caught a bird once. It was already hurt. though." <laughs> uh, because uh, I don't know if we mentioned it on the podcast that uh, my cat Zelda did, in fact, catch a bird one day, but it was a baby that couldn't fly. So like catches is doing yeah. a lot of work in that sentence. Yeah. So uh, very, uh, very Jake core, very Zelda core. I love that. Yeah. I was also thinking of Zelda cat in that moment when I read that bit. Um, I thought showdown with Sparrow was very good. Yeah. I like tall star the- is like roiling with rage. He's like, I really, I have to, I, I have to kill him. And Jake's like, dude, you don't, you can just tell him like, talk to him. Yeah. Emotionally mature King. The the amount of like things that J- of, of the way that Jake interacts with the world and communicates with other people that Tallstar then takes into sort of the rest of his time in the clan is so good to me. Yeah. Um the way that throughout the the last couple of chapters we see Tallstar back in the clans, but doing things where it's like, what would Jake have done in this scenario? Like, and Tall Tall Tail at the time trying to emulate the way that he thinks Jake would de-escalate a situation or explain something to somebody else. Yeah, so nice. It's really nice. Um, but yeah, Tallstar doesn't end up killing Sparrow, which I loved. I thought we were going to get a moment of Sparrow dying when he fell off the cliff. I was like so worried we were going to get that like... The classic... Death, yeah, yeah, the classic death by natural means as to avoid murder. But I'm really glad we didn't. I'm glad yeah. that they talked. Like, even if they didn't like make up, I'm glad things were like civil enough that Tallstar and Jake were able to just like peace out. Yeah, there was go. a very there was a very realistic like feeling to that whole exchange where it mm-hmm. where it doesn't end in violence, but it does end in like we're never going to see each other again. <laughs> yeah, like it doesn't end in violence, and it ends in like uh, peace to an extent. Like we're not going to hurt each other, but also I do not want to see you again. Like mm-hmm. this is the end of our relationship. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I think that's very like real in a in a really oh, good yeah. way. Uh, I just want to point out I felt really bad for Rena in I did too so much of this. Uh, Rena is one of the uh, traveling cats, one of the visitors. Um, she's the daughter of two of them, and she has the biggest crush on Tallstar. Oh yeah, and he. It's so gay. So not on that level at all. Yeah, he does not understand. So deeply over his head in a way that is is comical, but also 
like she had she had so many feelings for Tallstar and just absolutely iced the fuck out. Just no yeah. response. Yeah. So shout he out didn't to- even seem to like recognize that she was flirting with him either. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I can relate to. Um, yeah. But- <laughs> oh God. Okay. So when Jake and Tallstar inevitably have to part because Jake's like, look, I really care about you, but I do have to stay with my family, like with my two legs. Um, Dude, that oh, scene. That broke me. They are in love. They are okay? in love. Okay. You're my best friend and you always will be is one of the lines. Come uh, on. Another one, which was uh, when Jake is like, I wouldn't be happy out on the on the wars. And Tallstar's just like, you wouldn't be happy with me. I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, these cats. Oh, God, this hurts. It's there's so... also the moment. There's there's even the moment where Tallstar is like, well, what if I came and lived with you? And, and he's Jake like, you wouldn't like, be you, happy. You wouldn't be happy. Oh, oh, I love them so much. They are so in love. Uh. Then there's another mention later uh, when he's, I believe it's when he's talking to Heather Starr uh, and she's, you know, talking about the bonds that he made. And he's just like, yeah, Jake's is the deepest bond he's ever known. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I need to lay down. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Uh, and then the very last thing is at the end when he's getting his nine lives and there's uh, a moment where he thinks of Jake and the line is like every cat I've ever loved. I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's literally. Not, it's, it's it's just, it's, that, it's just annoying. It's just avoiding censorship at this point. Like they are gay. It is canon. I'm accepting it as so like, yeah, literally that, that he like every cat I've ever known. And he pauses and thinks of Jake and then says every cat I've ever loved. And it's like, we, yes, yes lay it on yeah. us. Love that shit. Good shit. That's pretty much all my notes. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just, uh, they were gay. And they I love that for them. They were gay. I love that for them. Oh, uh, Deadpaw, that was out of pocket. Naming him Deadpaw? Yeah. I fucking loved that whole thing, though. Like, I really <laughs> no, liked No, I loved Deadpaw it. It was great, but also, like... As a character. Out of pocket and unacceptable that, that Deadpaw is just like, yeah, I'll go with that. I no, I get it. Like I get that it is a it is a name to like highlight the thing that is different about me to make cats underestimate me. It's like okay, but at the but- same time, it's like oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it wasn't telegraphed beforehand is why I was like, oh, this is out of pocket. Like the fact that they didn't say like, hey, they didn't would you say be chill anything with this? ahead of time? Yeah, they didn't talk about it. Uh, wild, and wild. and of course this is this is all simply because there is a the deputy of wind clan when we get to the prophecies begin is deadfoot um mm-hmm. and this is like before they really had telegraphed i think and known how all of the naming conventions work where it's like yeah he wouldn't have just been dead kit that yeah. i don't think a mother would name their child dead kit so we have it just to come- it's weird that it wasn't just like his warrior name like we can't just call him hot paw until he becomes a warrior hop is weird. such a cute prefix too mm-hmm. i feel bad justice justice for like hop yeah. leap or something you know like yeah but i really liked the whole sort of subplot even though I thought this book was going to end at chapter 40, and then it just kept going for a couple more chapters. That's so true. <laughs> it really is like, oh yeah, he's returned to Wind Clan. That's that's a beautiful cap on the story. Oh, we're still go okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. Long ass book. Long ass book. It just kept going. But then we did get that and we got the uh the, the nine live ceremony at the end, which is always fun. I love a nine live ceremony. I They're love always an- so I'm- fun. I am, I will eat them up. For real. Uh, so Tallpaw slash Tallstar slash Talltale is Hamlet, and I will die on this fucking hill. Oh my god. This is such a Hamlet-ass story. He's got the whole, should I kill him, should I not? Is it gonna be revenge if I kill him or not? Like, what, did he actually do it or not? And then he's got his friend who's like, hey bud, I just care about you, please talk to me. Oh, and love then his that. and then his mom gets remarried and has new kids, and it's just like this shit is fucking Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Wow, I can't believe it's Hamlet. I love that. I, as somebody who doesn't know shit about fuck when it comes to uh, to the bard, uh, I, I'm sorry that I can't contribute more than no, just being I like, just hell needed, yeah, Bessie. I just, I just needed to say that it was Hamlet. I love that. All right, let's, Scout. <laughs> let's go to the Aaron Corner. Hell yeah. I love the Aaron Corner. I love the Aaron Corner too. Unfortunately, not too much this time. There's not too much. Uh, couldn't find many comments from Kate Carey on like the writing of this book specifically. Um, she did say several times that she loves Jake. She loved writing Jake. She loved having Jake around. I agree with all of that. Yeah, 100%. Again, I love what I we love talked Jake. about earlier, <laughs> the fact that that Kate is 100% on Tallstar and Jake is romantic yeah, and so, the like, publishers are are silencing them. Again, like, you know, there's always been controversy over uh, confirming things outside of the text, but I feel like taking into context the fact that this was written in, this was published in 2013 there this is a kids series like you know the, it's hard to push the boundaries that the conservative populace puts in place mhm and i think even for i think especially for this series like writing it the way they did i feel like t- taking into account the time period like i feel like they did the best that they could cuz if i remember correctly when did the cora finale come out that was a big. That was a yes. That was, that was a big day for the gays. Huh? Well, that was a big day for <laughs> queer media, queer children's media. Like, yeah, that was definitely. basically like that opened the floodgates, and that wasn't until 2014. So, like prior to 2014, a lot of more, I feel like popular or like meant for widespread consumption or things with bigger fandoms a lot of them had to kind of, like, downplay it. Yeah, like, Steven Universe, even, this, which isn't, I mean, it's it's a very queer show, but I think in the first season, it's, uh, like, not, it's not breaking ground in the same way that some of the later seasons do um, when it comes to overt queer representation. But that didn't even start airing until November 2013, which is after this book came out. Um, so you're right. Yeah. Thinking thinking back, that's true that you really were not seeing very much by way of uh, queer representation in children's media. Yeah. And we also have to remember it wasn't until 2015 that the Supreme Court struck down the, the bans on same-sex marriage. So like, fuck, dude. Yeah. Keeping in co- like, you know, us now in 2023 can be like, man, I wish they had actually made these cats gay. I feel like for the time period that they were writing this in, like, they were doing they the really best they could. The, yeah. I forget how... Sometimes especially with such a huge international audience, because massive. you know I that mean, shit gets censored we, to hell. One of the things that we pointed out, uh, or one of the things we talked about at the top of the episode was the, the Chinese mm-hmm. cover. And I know that, like... There's a whole training Disney card game in, in Taiwan. In 2023, Disney is still like, mm, we got to worry about, we can't have the, we can't have anything gay in the movies because of China, <laughs> which is like covering up for just like a lot of shit, like internally, I think, and in media and stuff. That's a, that's a big topic that we don't have time to get into on this podcast, but I agree. I think that that's a really astute mm-hmm. uh, thought of, of sort of putting it in context of the time when it came out. And I agree with you. And also, I'm not a big death of the author person. I think, I, I mean, I think that there is, I think that it is both good for you to do, to have your own reads on things, like good for people to have their own interpretations of media, but also I do think that intent of the of the authors and input from authors, like at, in retrospect or after the fact, is and context for those things is all very important and mm-hmm. all mixed up in itself. Uh, and uh, so I think that uh, yeah, that's yeah. I don't know where I'm going with that. Just I mean, thinking I think about things. Yeah, it's I mean, it's a lot to think about. It's a lot of where a lot of uh, discussions of media tend to get uh, kind of dicey, I will say. Yeah. 
Speaking of discussions of media, oh can you can you uh, take us into the into the fandom space? Let's share some tongues. Of course, Ao3 delivered. <laughs> Let's go. There were twelve tagged specifically for the book Tall Stars Revenge. Uh, a couple of them are minor rewrites. One of them is about uh, if Jake had brought Rusty to Wind Clan as a kit um, oh. instead of Rusty ending up in. ThunderClan. There's 59 uh, Jake Talltale uh, works. So there Let's are 59 go. fix just tagged for our baby boys. Uh, that is the biggest number we've had so far. Well, right? it's about to get even bigger because there are 181 fix that have Tallstar tagged. Damn. Uh, people love this guy. People love this guy. I mean, I like him too. Yeah, uh, too. There are 78 fix for Jake. Let's go! Uh, there are seven with Shrewclaw, which I thought was interesting. That is interesting. Um, but yeah, I did go through, I read a couple of the Jake and Talltale works uh, last night. They were very sweet, very good. Uh, everyone's like, these cats are gay, and I really believe that. And we just took <laughs> that and ran, and it's wonderful. Uh, but other than that, I mean, you know, there's fix out there. Go read them. On Tumblr, uh, we've got some some more of that dope woodcut art. This of the uh, moment where Tall Tall saves Renkit and Flykit from a hawk. Yes. Oh, this this rules. Look at that hawk's face. That hawk is like, oh, I have fucked up. <laughs> There's another one that says, you know how when the Great Gatsby entered the public domain, someone uploaded it in its entirety to AO3 and added in a kiss between Nick and Gatsby. I hope that in 3013 or whatever, somebody puts Tallstar's revenge on a future AO3 and canonizes Tallstar and Jake's relationship. And that is the only surviving copy of the book. <laughs> uh, there is... Are you familiar with the tro the Hanahaki trope? I am. I am familiar with it. Uh, but give give a breakdown for the viewers just in case. Okay. So, uh, viewers, the Hanahaki trope is where essentially unrequited feelings manifest physically in someone's body as flowers in their like hearts and lungs and stuff until said feelings are confessed or dealt with in some way uh, or they keep repressing them until it inevitably kills them. Somebody did an art piece on Tumblr of a tall star with Hanahaki disease, but is for his father's love. It was so dope. Oh, and I just really loved seeing, like, it is very typically a, a romantic trope. So it was really cool seeing it in a platonic uh, representation. Some people ship tall star and true claw. Don't know how I feel I about like that. This I like this this post here that is talking about that one tweet. Yeah, the this is everyone talks about Tall Jake, but Tall Shrew is the literal embodiment of, and it is the tweet that says, "When I was seven, I had a crush on a girl in my class, and I didn't know how to deal with it, so I wrote her a letter that just said, get out of my school.'" <laughs> yeah, I love that tweet so much. Uh, there's just some really devastating good art of Tall Star and Jake. Uh, some yeah. people talking about whether or not Shrewclaw was kind of wasted potential as a narrative foil because they both have to deal with the grief of, of losing a parent and blaming someone for it. I don't know. It was, I think it was an interesting thing. It could have been nice if they had delved deeper into it, but I feel like Shrewclaw was just such a dick that it didn't feel. Uh, yeah, as with a lot of the stuff in the fur in the top half of the book when we're in like tall paws apprenticeship and everything i feel like there's a lot of threads there that are that are not living up to their full potential um mm -hmm. and i think shrew claw is is one of those very interesting that he just dies at the end too yeah I mean, whatever. It's fine, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, he's I didn't a, have... he, like I don't like him, but he's also just like a nothing character to me. I like yeah, right. Do not care about him. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, Reddit. All I found was one thing, and it was just I just read Tallstar's Revenge, and I can't help but ship Tallstar with everyone. He just has a lot of chemistry with a lot of cats. It's wonderful. He does. Uh, Barkface mm -hmm. is another one that a lot of people tend to ship him with. I can see that. I yeah. liked Barkface a lot Barkface in this story. Barkface was a good story. character. It's just like, I also love that he apparently has a stumpy tail, which I yeah. didn't realize, but He's I just, just like guy. that. I always love when a cat has a little stumpy tail. Yeah. There's a slew of AMVs that we will link 
Uh, I cannot get into all of them, but there are like several just little meme ones of them of Jake and Tallstar being goofy together. Quite a few Jake and Tallstar videos romantically, you know. Hell yeah. A lot of musical theater in this uh run through. Mm-hmm. But there's some really there's some really good stuff out there. Yeah, I'm still thinking about the the Welcome to the Black Parade. Yeah, one me you sent me last too. night. I cannot talk about that, but wow. Yeah. What a, what a concept. It would have done numbers in the early 2010s. It would have. Amazing that it just came out two years ago. Right. Why don't we talk about our Warrior Cat of the Week? Yeah. Uh, my Warrior Cat of the Week this week, probably not a surprise to anybody, it is Jake. Yeah, so is mine. <laughs> yeah. Rena was, Rena was my runner-up. Runner up. Uh, Rena was your runner-up. My runner-up was Hopkit slash Deadpaw. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Um, because I love a, a child burdened with responsibility. We know this about like you. <laughs> we know this about me. I can't resist them. Yeah, I feel like there's not much more to say about Jake, except, of course, everybody loves Jake because we also love Jake. Like, he's just yeah. a wonderful character, and I, I, I love seeing him. I love seeing him. I think that he brings... Like, anytime he is in a scene, there is a freshness and, like, a joy that is unique to him. Yeah. Uh, and I love... I think that knowing and caring about Jake uh, is going to make Firestar's whole story, like, is going to add an additional layer that I think is really I think so going too. to be interesting for me. To have, so I'm I'm excited to have been reading in this order and kind of getting this as a precursor to the uh, rusty to firestar pipeline me too well all right i think that's all we've got for you guys today that is it so if you have thoughts opinions questions or memes to share with us you can write to us at pawsandclawspod at gmail.com. That's pause, as in what a cat has, claws, as in the part of speech, pod, as in podcast. We are also on Twitter at pawsandclaws and on Tumblr at pawsclawspod. Listeners who are 18 years and older can come join us on Discord, which will be linked in the show notes. You can find me on Twitter at HumbleGoat, and you can see the art that I do, including our podcast cover art, at scoutwilkinson.myportfolio.com. Links to my portfolio, as well as my Kofi page, are also in the show notes. Uh, and you can, for now, find me on Twitter at plot underscore twists, or on Tumblr at antique-romantic. Our next episode will be out in two weeks, where we will discuss the fourth published super edition, Crooked Stars Promise. Stoked! Yes! Uh, <laughs> read along by buying the book from a local bookstore or checking out a copy from your local library. Until then, dear listeners, may Star Clan guide your paws. Mm-hmm.